Ruth, thank you so much for being on the podcast and to everybody at home watching. Uh, thank you for showing up to another one of our Green Speaker Series podcasts. I think this might be like episode 12 that we've done uh, since we brought it back. I can't even remember. It's been so many. Um, but yeah, today we have a special treat for you. We have Miss Ruth Kitchen on the podcast today. And if you aren't aware, she's basically you know, like one of the founding members of Greening Youth Foundation. She was there with Anjou from the very beginning, back when y'all were just like going into schools and like teaching classes or teaching small classrooms just about like environmental awareness and education. So she is basically like the foundation of GYF along with Anjou. And it's just an incredible honor for us to be able to talk to you today and get your insight into some of the history of GYF and just like how you saw it transition from what it was to what it is today. Um, so Ruth, yeah, I, I, for my first question for you, I really just wanted to ask you, because um, I know you're really big on education and environmental awareness and really just like getting outdoors and appreciating nature. Um, so how did you come to the environmental field? Like what was your first, uh, I guess you could say like your first, uh, realization that nature was what you wanted to be involved in? Well, my background is in education, so that I have that as a component. Um, and I started out in special education, but because of my um, husband's jobs, we moved quite a bit, so I had to put on quite a few hats. And so uh, I had special education, uh, regular education, reading recovery, early childhood, high school, all over the place. And um, Anyway, amidst all of that, um, I'm just an outdoorsy person, per se. So raising my children, we were always outdoors, um, either hiking or we were very involved in sports. So um, that's just part of my makeup. I didn't have any particular training. It was just, I'm just a, a nature lover. Wonderful. Um, and along those same lines, I know Angelou has talked a lot about you, um, you know, both to us as a staff, and I went to grab it in her book, Engage, Connect, Protect, um, where she gave a lot of the history of, you know, just starting GYF and her work with you, and basically how y'all grew the company into what it is today. Um, but I don't think I ever asked her, how did you two meet? Oh, well, all of a sudden, this lovely lady, passionate, lovely lady, uh, moved next door. And uh, we quickly became good friends. We would walk and talk and talk about many things. And she had two young boys, Cole and uh, Miles, in the elementary school. And he, she was concerned, very concerned, that they weren't addressing anything environmental. Um, and no uh, school-wide school recycling, none of that was going on. So we talked and walked and one day we got back and we approached James and uh, they both have lawyer hats that they wear and they said, so how can we start something with this? And he just kind of rolled his eyes and he jumped right in and we started uh, along with Mike Finn and did a lot of this preparation at their dining room table. Wow, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah. 
And so for those first programs, um, if I'm remembering correctly, you all just started with like a couple of classrooms um, in your local schools and just like went around doing like after school environmental education activities. Um, how, how did you all get your foot in the door with those schools? Was it through like Angelou's contact being like a parent of some of the students or did you all like have um, um, any contacts within the school system who like heard your idea and like reached out to you or how did that go? It was kind of a combination. Um, we started with the EcoForce Clubs and that was an after school program. And um, kind of like word caught that, you know, this was, the kids were enjoying it and it just kind of grew. It, it was slow. I mean, there were times it was quite frustrating, like how is this gonna go? But it did um, grow. And then we knocked on many doors, went to visit with a lot of principals, vice principals and explained our program. And, um, and, and this was in Gwinnett County. And it, it just eventually, um, we were not only doing the EcoForce clubs and the school-wide recycling, we entered into the third grade programs with our clean pro, um, curriculum, children living energetically advancing nature. Kind of long, but. <laughs> but that so makes it, for an awesome ac an acronym. Yeah, it did. Yeah. But it was a really fun program. The kids were, it was very interactive. Music, dancing. Um, I'm sure Yero remembers the pogo stick that I would use in the <laughs> office area. Uh, yeah, we went on hikes. Um, we made soup with vegetables, th those types of things to try to get the kids engaged not only in the environment, but also awareness of wellness. And, um, you know, talk about asthma and how it impacts many children. So it, it was, um, you know, quite inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. I had the opportunity to go on some of those lessons with you and actually get some of that training too. Um, so EcoForce was just a huge, important um, kind of ethos when it came to talking about what's necessary um, with healing the environment and doing things to be a steward. Uh, what was that first lesson that really stuck with the students so that you guys were memorable? Um, because I know keeping students' attention is kind of difficult as well. Well, I think that, <laughs> and maybe not every student would agree with me, but I thought the most impactful one was when I would bring my worm bin the compost bin <laughs> and some kids would gravitate to it and be like whoa and others would be like oh no i'm not getting involved with this but just to teach them about composting and how they can use their everyday you know fruits vegetables whatever they're doing and i mean it's so easy to make a bin you just get a bin and poke holes in it and a little bit of newspaper get some worms and away you go so i thought that was fun <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely fun. I don't know if I would have been one of the ones touching the worms. Oh, I bet um, you I would have won you over. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of kids that were reluctant, and at the end, they're like, "Woo, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that um, if I was in that program, that probably would have been the best part of my day. Because um, mm -hmm. I know, especially just like getting to be able to do stuff hands-on is just like super important. Um, and it's really engaging, you know? Um, and so I'd want to ask you, it sounds like you all were very easily able to like work with and teach the kids. Um, but how were, how were the parents receptive to it? Did you feel like the kids were able to like teach their parents a little bit too and get them in on it? Or was that a bit more difficult? 
No, um, in fact, no, I felt like the, the parents were very supportive of the program. And in fact, one parent, um, as we were passing each other in the hallway, said, oh, so you're the one who is <laughs> causing my child to drive me crazy <laughs> about all this recycling and environmental stuff. And I just cracked up. So I knew we were making an impact <laughs> from that yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. And I remember like bugging my parents about like recycling when I was a kid too. Of course, like when you're that young, you don't like really understand the concept of, you know, you got like a certain trash company and they may or may not recycle. Um, but even then I feel like it's still imp important to make that effort to just, you know, bring that awareness. And even if, you know, you might not have a trash company that recycles in your area, you know, you might have like a, a couple of dumpsters in a location that are for recycling. Um, yeah. And so- James and Mike Finn, they were very on top of all of that. I mean, I think they followed these trucks to where they were going and they disclosed a lot of things that weren't happening that were said were being, were taking place. So it was very enlightening and um, they were on top of it big time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I kind of wish I could follow in James's footsteps too and just like see like, what, what, what's actually going on with that recycling, you know, when we recycle it? Because um, I remember watching a documentary in the UK where, you know, companies would say they were recycled, but then they just like put it in uh, some of those shipping containers that they use to carry overseas and then just leave them in a pile somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so that is one of the things that I've been really interested in is just like making sure the efforts that we put in place are actually being implemented. Um, exactly. But I did want to say I, I truly admire you and Angelou um, for your work in the classroom and engaging with the kids. Because I've done a bit of work um, myself, like going to boys and girls clubs and just like trying to teach children about environmental education. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little difficult because, you know, sometimes they get like too into an activity and then they make a mess or they just like super high energy. And you also got to like find a way to like teach them while reining them in. Yeah. Um, so it can <laughs> be kind of difficult. Um, and so I want to ask you, what were some of like the more challenging aspects of your engagement with the students? Well, um, after school programs, um, typically because, you know, after school, they're done. They're done with school. They, you know, they, we don't need to sit down here. So those type of programs, when I was trying to do the clean curriculum, I maybe didn't cover as much material because we needed to move. We needed to, you know, kind of not addressing um, lessons, per particularly, you know, for what, uh, 45 minutes. So, you know, we uh, capture some of it and then the rest of it, we would just have a good time. Um, and kind of along those same activities, and this is kind of me also just like taking some notes from what you all did. But what did, what did you find were the most engaging activities for the students? I know you mentioned the worm can, but were there other activities that you did where the students were just like super into it? Uh, yeah, we did um, where we made um, a floodplain. And I'm trying to think back. I, gotta, I have the book right here. Would you like to see it? This is the curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and... Um, you know, anything that we were doing hands-on, 
I wish I had looked at it further. <laughs> um, but just to keep them interactive, and we had music also. Um, I'm sure you would crack up, especially you, Yero, because I would play my guitar and sing these old-timey songs when they really needed to have some hip-hop, you know, something <laughs> fun. But hey, I started them off that way. And, um, you know, uh, uh, we started a CHIP program where we recruited college and high school students to come out and also implement the program. And I think that was very good for our students because they, I think, um, interacted and identified better with these young people, diverse people, and they could take the curriculum, kind of twist it into more of a contemporary um, aspect or direction and, you know, bring in their own kind of hip hop music. So that was, that was very positive. Got you. Um, and that actually touches on one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, um, which was like, how did you all find that you had to like change your curriculum for, you know, different audiences? Because I do remember Angelou mentioning um, how you would bring the guitar and like some classrooms would be receptive to it. But then like some of the students, they would just like sit there and stare and they just like didn't get it. So what did, what did that look like? Um, I guess like changing it based on the diversity and the background of your students. Right. When we, um, we started out in Gwinnett and then um, we went, you know, just talked with principals down in Fulton County and um, DeKalb County and Boys and Girls Clubs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're working with a mix, a diverse mix. And that's when it hit that this curriculum is maybe a little too whitewashed. So we need to work with, you know, um, all populations and let's tweak it. Let's, and so that's what we did. And, and the young people, the CHIP program helped us do that. Gotcha. Yeah, I imagine that, uh, you know, having somebody who was um, basically like closer to the age of like an older brother made the kids want to be a bit more attentive. Right, exactly. We felt uh, like that really worked. Mm-hmm. And so how did, um, how did your background as, I'd call you like an education specialist because you've done like so many different branches, but how did that weigh into the creation of your lesson plans and just interacting with the students in general? Um, I guess um, putting the curriculum together, because um, I've had experience doing that and especially working with special ed um, I would have to do each individual child develop their own curriculum. So I had that background on curriculum development. And um, as far as just, um, you know, just implementing it and also um, having a background in behavior management. So trying to, as you said, rein them in. I had a few techniques up my sleeve <laughs> to try to help with that. <laughs> but basically, if they're, if they're interacting, they're having fun, you don't, they usually stay with you. So that was really the focus. Make sure they're interactive, they're just having a blast, and they'll, they'll hey, it's, you know, it's not class, this is fun. So that's basically what I kept trying to do. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, I think we might need to have a separate conversation about some of those techniques that you had. <laughs> we could definitely benefit from some of those. Okay, we um, can do that. 
And so I wanted to ask you, because we're in an interesting situation right now with COVID and the virtual learning. Um, and, you know, it's just this whole situation of where, you know, we can't even be in the classroom with the students right now. And we have our virtual education program that just finished, uh, Greenbox, where uh, Christine and Alex, two of our project managers, they basically did like, I believe it was eight weeks of recording videos. And like just, we actually sent them a box of materials as well. Um, so they had stuff that they could get hands-on and engage with. Um, but, you know, since it still is like a virtual platform, you know, everybody's behind a laptop, you know, at least watching the videos and like doing the activities. Um, so do you, do you think that it'll be a bit more difficult for us to, I say, like engage with the kids in terms of uh, environmental awareness with this virtual situation or would that actually like benefit us? You know, I think always being hands-on is the best. Having the kids there, you know, at the location, being able to take those hikes, that type of thing. And as we talked about at the beginning of this, if this is what we have to work with, it's better than nothing. And I love that you guys are creating these green boxes where they do have materials to actually work with, you know, along with the podcasts. Um, so that's, that's a double plus in this virtual world. At least they have some materials. So. Yeah, that's, that's very good. true. Yeah. But and you know, ultimately we all need to get back to whenever that might be where we can actually be with people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I will say, I think like one of the upsides, and I'm sure you've seen it on your end, um, is just like people wanting to get outside more in general. Um, you know, especially during the lockdown, you know, I've heard that basically like all of the parks in our area were just full of people. Whereas before, you know, you could go anytime and it might just be like a handful, uh, depending exactly. on the park. And they, um, you know, people frequently talk about what were some of the good things that came out of this whole COVID experience. And that's one of them. Um, I, yeah, I see a lot more people outside than previously. Um, some of them also trying to utilize their artistic skills and or uh, cooking or baking. I try, but I don't know how successful I am. <laughs> but all those different kind of home things that you never really enjoy doing and also being with your, your families, you know, getting to know them better. And yeah, so there's some good things. Yeah, you're definitely right. And I think um, there will be like a lot more bonding opportunities for the families that are like working from home with their students um, that really like previous generations didn't really get to get. Um, so it definitely is some, some good stuff as, uh, as odd as it may seem, given how, you know, disastrous COVID has been, there's definitely been some good outcomes. Um, and so this next question, I guess um, if you can answer it in sort of like a pre COVID fashion, uh, but I wanted to say, how did you see environmental education and awareness in general from when you were teaching it uh, with your students to, you know, like in, I guess you could say like 2019, 2018, had schools in general or students in general really like opened up more to the idea of environmental awareness or was it still not really too big? Um. I felt like we were making an impact, if that's what you're kind of alluding to. 
I do feel like we, we were making an impact. People, kids were more aware. They were uh, trying to make a difference. And that was the whole focus. We've got to make them the champions here. Um, they also need though, if it's not, they're not receiving it within the schools, like teachers, you know, um, really stressing the importance of, it can quickly fall by the wayside. So it has to be continuously supported. And um, our programs were starting that, and, and, but they need to still continue with teachers jumping on and, you know, teaching environmental and wellness education within their classrooms. Got you. Um, and this might be like the wrong question to ask you, but was there anything you felt as you were doing it that the school systems themselves, um, you know, either like the public schools or the private schools could have been doing on their end to just sort of like help boost or support you all or just like the awareness and activities in general? Um, I felt like that they were supportive could they have been more supportive? Yes. And that basically, I'm gonna restate what I just said earlier, by them jumping in, like when we were teaching some of our classes, some of the teachers would just get up and leave. They weren't showing the support. And I wanted them to be there so that they could absorb some of the stuff that we were discussing with the kids and carry it forth. forth. Keep, keep going, keep growing. So, um, you know, the initial support was good, but I think, yeah, we could have, yeah, the more the better. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I still feel a little weird, you know, when environmental, you know, activities and awareness, when it's like just an after-school program and it's not a curriculum that's being actively taught to these students. Um, because, you know, the environment is so important and it does so many things for us that, you know, I feel like students, this should be something that you learn, like along with math and science. Exactly. It can be incorporated into all curriculums. Mm -hmm. Yes. And be just like very natural, like just talking about it naturally. Yeah. And even when I went to college, it was um, just like one of, I want to say like a couple different electives that you could have taken to get like one of the credits that you needed to graduate, but it still wasn't a requirement, you know, unless you are going into that field. Um, and so, you know, I feel like it's definitely something that goes over a lot of people's heads. And, but, you know, it's, it's out there. Every time you open up the door to your house, you know, there it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I really hope that with everyone getting back in the parks now and just like breathing that air, that they really just discover, you know, nature. Um, I'll say it as Andrew says, that nature as a healer. Um, mm -hmm because I know she talked about when she had her stroke, um, just like being out in nature, taking those walks and just taking in the environment really like helped her personally, just like recover from those effects and find her right state of mind and state of being. Um, and you know, I know you know all of this cause you've been teaching it for so long. Um, but it is essential and sometimes we forget, but like you said, as soon as you open up the front door and you look out and you look at God's majesty, it's just, it should just calm you immediately, you know? And, uh, and like I said, I'm an outdoor person. I run and play tennis and do that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just important to, to be out there. 
And I also wanted to ask you about your background as an educator. Um, so I know you worked a lot with us, but um, do you mind speaking a bit about like what you were also doing um, in your own career? Yes, um, I graduated from Michigan State University with a degree in special education uh, with an emphasis with emotionally disturbed kids. And then we quickly moved um, down to Fort Worth, Texas. And I got my first job and I worked with um, elementary school kids that were challenged emotionally. And, um, and that was quite an experience. And um, I did that for a while. And then um, I went back to school and got my master's and um, I became an educational diagnostician. So I did testing alongside psychologists and to determine whether kids uh, would qualify for special ed. And, um, and then, I, like I said, my husband moved. So there we were moving somewhere else and I'm working at the high school level with special ed kids. Then I'm working with regular ed kids and then we move again. And <laughs> so it, I kind of had the full gamut of education. Wow. Which was a great experience. I, I, you know, I don't, um, you know, a lot of people are like, that's a, you know, that impacted and, you know, you weren't able to stay with anything, you know, the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but look at the gravity of experiences that I got from it. So, yeah, so I mean, it. that's incredible. Um, and, you know, I just love like talking to educators and teachers. And when we had our podcast with Adrian Hall and she was telling me about her own educational background, like I'm constantly blown away at learning like all of the different, you know, depths and uh, the different positions within education that are outside of, you know, teacher, administration, principal. Um, because like, it, you know, for I feel like a lot of people, they don't necessarily get that interaction with you know, special ed students or early learning um, advisors, but they're like such an important part of, you know, education in general and helping people learn and especially people who have difficulties learning. That's just like incredible work that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, yeah. And, and so, in this COVID time, those are the kiddos that I worry about the most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so speaking of COVID, um, are you all proceeding with virtual or is virtual learning proceeding with special ed students or how is that going to work? In our area, it's all virtual right now. Gotcha. Um, like I said, they're proposing to bring, I think there's three tiers. You can do all vir virtual. You can do part-time. Um, no, I think there's just two tiers, part-time in the school and part-time virtual or just all virtual. And it's supposed to start, start September um, eight. Have you all started there? Have the kids started? I think they were supposed to start today. Um, I believe one of our one of our uh, staff members said that her daughter. Um, I think they were supposed to be back in school today, but she's keeping her out, um, and she's just going to teach her virtually. So um, they have that option also, where you all are. Yeah. They have the option? Okay. Yeah, um, but I do know that there were also protests in a couple of different areas around us where parents wanted to just get the kids back in class as well. It's either this hard line or this hard line of how <laughs> yeah. people are perceiving it, and there's no right or wrong. It's just so, mm -hmm. it's hard. You know, it's your kid. What do we do, you know? Yeah, so, and I think it's, it's what's right for your yeah. own kid. And I think there's like a lot of people that just like aren't, you know, fully considering like the, the, 
the full effect of what could happen. Like if, if you go like full one way or the other, and there's just not enough room for compromise and working together. Um, so you definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, and I asked you because I was wondering if, you know, special ed students were being given um, a different consideration than, um, than like, uh, I guess you would say like the normal ed students. Um, since I would imagine that there's probably like a lot more normal ed students than special ed. Um, mm -hmm. So are schools like taking that into consideration when they make these decisions or is it they're just like trying to make one decision that's going to apply for everyone? I think it's one decision to apply for all of, for everyone. Yeah. And, and let the parent make that decision. Wow. Got you. Okay. Yeah. And this is kind of like going back to the beginning, but how did you, um, get into special ed um, teaching? Um, well, way back in high school, <laughs> I would volunteer at different schools um, with the special ed classes. And I just fell in love with the kids and, and, you know, and decided that, you know, I think I could make an impact and help these challenged kids find some success and, 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 um, and joy in their lives. So um, I really, that's where it kind of started way back in high school. And so I just pursued it from day one and at the university level, because I kind of, I knew what I wanted to do. That's really awesome. That's really <laughs> awesome. Um, and are you still teaching? Um, no, I, I'm not teaching anymore. I do volunteer down at, it's a place called Teach My People. And this is an after school program for kids that are Kind of challenged and we don't know what we're doing with that either uh, once school starts up but um, we provide meals and there are tutors that come in and then they have classroom teachers and it's uh, a spiritually based after school program and um, so they really hone in on the the um, the academics uh, but then they do have a spiritual component to it also so they're trying to address the whole child Wow, that is really awesome. Um, and I hope you all are able to find like a workable solution for that because I know that's not easy either. Um, right. There's a lot of consideration that needs to go into that, but it sounds like something that the students probably really enjoy. They enjoy it and they really need it. You know, they need, to, they need the extra support to stay up with their peers. And um, we also support the families to a great degree, um, food, that type of thing. So yeah, and in fact, I just emailed uh, the director. So, what's the final decision? Because I don't, you know, there it's still kind of up in the air here. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess they're uh, they're just trying to like take everything into consideration. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't envy them. No, I, I do not either. <laughs> not not at this time. Mm -mm. It's very difficult. Um, and so I, I guess my final question for you was um. Like over all of your years of education, you know, both with GYS programs and as a teacher, um, what's been like your, your favorite moment of just like teaching students? Um, I would say to tell you the truth, every student that I worked with, um, I felt as if you know, we, we were making a connection. And um, so there's not any 
particular, because I move from place to place, any particular grade, any particular, you know, um, you know, situation that was better. I would say the most challenging, I think, was when I was working as an educational diagnostician, because those, you know, the, the testing protocols that went, uh, that were involved with that um, were pretty intense. And the, you know, determining where a child's destiny basically is, that was very difficult and working with parents and giving them advice. It was difficult, challenging, but also very rewarding. Idea. Yeah, and I'm guessing that's a position where it's not too many people doing it, but it's like still incredibly vital for like, like you said, the futures of these children. Yeah, yeah. Just to put them on the right pathway, give them the right support that they're needed, that's needed so that they can surpass um, and, and, and grow to their fullest potential. So that was the whole, that's the whole goal, being a teacher, right? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do want to just say, like, thank you for, for doing what you do and, and just, like, being willing to, like, help educate and teach students. Because, um, you know, I know you probably, ain't get, you probably didn't get paid enough, nearly enough for what you did. Um, but uh, still... <laughs> everything that was touched to my heart, all those little letters they would write me, all the little things that they would do, that was the reward. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine like every single time or maybe you still have like a box of those letters where whenever you're feeling down, you just go and open them up and be like, yeah, I did the right thing. Yeah, I have some stuff that I've saved because, it, yeah, it does touch your heart much better than anything monetary. Yeah, got you. And Yero, did you have any questions you want to ask? Um, I don't have any further questions. I think Ruth has really taken us through a full scope of what it means to go from EcoForce before COVID and, and what it means to kind of build GYF up and then what it means to be an educator in this time too. I mean, stewardship is truly important for us to be able to bring back the vitality that's in the um, environment. And I think Ruth is doing an incredible job to stay consistent with the students and to actually engage people with curriculums that will have a long standing in this field. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being with you guys. You guys are dynamic. And um, I love watching uh, through working on the board, um, how GYF just continues to soar, even throughout this COVID. And you guys are the ones that are making that happen. So we're very proud of you and, and, and all who serve at um, GYF. You're really a, a fabulous group. Thank you. We're definitely just continuing in y'all's footsteps with all the good work. Oh, uh, no, you, you guys are soaring. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Well, all righty, everyone. This will do it for this episode of the Green Speakers series. Um, and look forward to the next one. And once again, thank you, Miss Ruth, for being on this podcast with us. This was really special. Well, um, Special for me, too. And thank you so very much for inviting me. Yeah, and we might have to have you back sometime to continue this talk, because I know there's probably a whole lot more that you could talk about. And, you know, all that you've seen both through GYF and just your own educational experience over the years. Okay, um, and I'll bring my pogo stick, Yero. <laughs> please, please do. <laughs>
<laughs> I hate to tell you, my daughter stole it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she can be on too, and she can like hold it up in the in the. Oh back. my! She's a maniac. She's <laughs> worse than I am, Yero. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, you all take care and great seeing you guys. You too, Ruth. Hope you have a great afternoon and a wonderful rest of your week. Oh, well, you've made it the great afternoon. Thanks so very much. <laughs> Ruth, say hi to your husband for me. All right, will do. Say hi to Tyler. Thank you. Take care. Bye, Cameron. Care. Bye. Bye